Chapter 2, uh, verse 46 and following is the aftermath of Daniel interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Well, actually, telling him the dream and interpreting it, something that none of the wise men, magicians, sorcerers, or other professionals in Babylon could even attempt to do. How in the world do you know what somebody else dreamed? God does, told Daniel, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, told him what it meant, succession of four kingdoms, and then in the days of the fourth kingdom, God sets up his kingdom that destroys the others and endures forever. And so as a result of Daniel interpreting that dream, we have 46 to 49. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over the, all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. Well, I'll bet you never thought you'd see this happen. What's Nebuchadnezzar do? Daniel. Practically, yeah. I mean, he falls on his face and honors Daniel. You know, presents him, you know, an offering and incense and great gifts and makes him ruler. And I mean, this is the emperor of the world before a young exiled Jew. That's amazing. That is really a remarkable event. You can tell Nebuchadnezzar was quite um, overwhelmed by what Daniel had done. And remember, no one of all the wise men had been able to do it or even taken a stab at it, which makes what Daniel did stand out all the more to him. But this is just a remarkable passage that you would really never expect. And he recognizes God. Uh, you have to appreciate that. Word for verse 47, you might really think he was trying to worship Daniel for real. But I don't think that was his point because he says, surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries. So he has listened to Daniel, recognized that God is the source of that, but he's still giving, you know, great honor and, and submitting, bowing down before uh, Daniel. And Daniel was able to intercede for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were promoted as well, which prepares us for the story in chapter 3. Comments or questions? Alright. Well, the story in chapter 3. I don't know how much time passed. Nebuchadnezzar is still king. We know that. Uh, but chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together 
for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with uh, all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that, ne that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony, with all kinds of music, all the people, uh, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay. So what do we have here? The gold image. The gold image that, set up. <laughs> that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. How many times are we going to read that in this passage, like right? I know. <laughs> why, why say that? Uh, well, he's going to say it a few more times, too, by the time you get to the end of the chapter. Why keep saying that Nebuchadnezzar had set up? I have an idea. One thing, it shows that it had to be set up. Absolutely. This thing had no life of its own, couldn't even stand, had to be set up. Yeah, I think it's emphasizing that, you know, this is a statue formed and, you know, put into position by Nebuchadnezzar. And then he wants everybody to bow down to it, for crying out loud. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Now, what was this statue made out of? Gold. Perhaps. From the nature of gold, it's more likely this was like a gold veneer. Uh, might have been difficult for the gold to support the weight of the statue, but whatever. It uh, is a golden uh, statue anyway. You look at that. Does, does that remind you of anything? In Daniel? His dream. His dream. Because what did he dream of? An image. An image, like a statue. And what part was gold? The head, his part. Yes, he was the head of gold. So I guess he thought he ought to just go ahead and make one. <laughs> you know, uh, it's kind of an ironic thing. He didn't seem to uh, give God proper due in this. Um, you know, I don't know if that just inflated his ego or what, but... You know, as God has given to Nebuchadnezzar, you know, power and dominion, he's let it go to his head. And now thinks he has the right to expect all the leaders to just bow down before this image that he set up. And he gets the whole orchestra together, and by the time you get to the end of the chapter, you'll see he sure does like the sound of all the names of the instruments as well. And... Uh, he says, at that moment I, that they all play, fall down and worship that image. And if not, how would that feel? Hot. Would not be a pleasant experience. Do you think that's bad? Just think what would help be like. You know, I think some of those things are kind of, you know, like, things that make you think, because I mean, to imagine being cast into that fire, unless you were like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the Lord protected you, would just be, 
And uh, it shows you Nebuchadnezzar means business right here. I mean, he intends for everybody to bow down before the image that he has set up. All right. Um, and notice, uh, well, we might uh, we might notice in verse uh, seven. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard all the music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped. So you got everybody. That must have been quite something, you know, a sea of bodies, you know, suddenly prostrating themselves. Uh, it'd be like something to watch from a, you know, upper story window or something. All right, comments or questions on those seven verses. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You yourself, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But... Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, what does this tell you? They're loyal to their God. You got three men that didn't bow down. Whoa. What would that be like if you'd have been one of those three men? Intimidating. Yeah, wouldn't it though? That'd be very lonely. <laughs> Whoa. Can you imagine what you'd have felt when everybody, the sea of people, bow down and you're still standing upright? Whoa. That would be pressure. You just, you know, it would be better if they were all standing up and you were still bowed down. You know, or something like that. When you have to do it this way, whoa, you stick out like a sore thumb. And, uh, well, some of these uh, men, some of these Chaldeans come forward and tell on them. They tattle on them. You're kind of like, he didn't have his eyes closed. <laughs> kind of makes you wonder what these three, these guys were doing, you know, that <laughs> <But> they knew that. <laughs> but uh, they come before the king and they say, you know, there's these Jews, certain Jews, that you've given this high position to, makes you wonder if they're not sort of jealous. And uh, they didn't bow down. Comments and questions? Um, you... Is there any way we can get an idea about just how many people were there bowing down compared to the three standing? I don't know. Okay. But you know, if there were 500, you'd feel horrible. All right. You know, I mean, it'd make it to the point where if there was 100,000, I don't know that you'd feel much different than you would with 500. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I imagine there were plenty that you felt. All right. Very alone. You sat in a lot of faith in God, a mm -hmm. lot of determination to serve the Lord. I don't care if you're the only three. Yeah. I just think it's a good passage to remember when we're at school or work or whatever, because I know sometimes I'm at work and 
I know I've had four or five people on me about one thing trying to get me to do something that I know I can't do, and I've had to, I've had to stick up for you know what I believe in and stuff. And I, even just me, I guess I was thinking of just me talking to four or five people is feels yeah, bad. And then, does, and and then you're one of these three people standing when there's that many people. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I can. I can imagine what they felt like. Yeah, you just feel that pressure when everybody's hard. doing the wrong thing, and you're conspicuously not doing what yeah. they're doing. You know, you're in that situation in various cases, and it's just really, man, they're all laughing at their dirty joke, and you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, wow, that's tough. So that's the situation. Well, 13 to 15. And Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, then you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? How did Nebuchadnezzar feel when he heard that these three men had not bowed down? He was mad. Not quite the Nebuchadnezzar you saw in the end of chapter 2, is it? Yeah, he's furious. He's let this go to his head. Man, he's just infuriated. Somebody, three somebodies, Mm -hmm. would defy his orders. And so what does he decide to do? Explain it to them and... Give them a second chance. He's going to very generously give them another opportunity and they'd better get it right this time. (laughs) You know, when you hear the sound of all these instruments that he likes to uh, hear roll off of people's tongues, he says, you'd better fall down and if you do not, what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? That was a really dumb thing for Nebuchadnezzar to say. That's like just, you know, defying God, daring God to do something about this. You know, what God can deliver you out of my hands? Oh my. Same God that he said was God of gods. And I know. Kings. I know. How soon we forget. May have been a few years, but that's still soon to forget that. I mean, is there a chance that this is his son or something? Cause Don't think can... so, but he did reign 43 years. Yeah. How many times have we received a great, you know, answered prayer, a great deliverance, a great blessing, and it's like, God, I'll always serve you. I'll never forget this. Yeah, right. How long does it take us before we've completely... You know, done something that shows that we've completely not responded to that. I mean, you can imagine after, I don't know, what if, what if it was 15 years? Dream's long gone, you know. Especially when you can't, you know, you get all this power and authority and all. Chelsea? But he did seem to remember certain principles of the dream, like the statue and him being the head of the <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you can remember what you want to. Yeah, good point. 
think with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that if they thought it was difficult standing up in the middle of all these people bowing, what about when you have the king standing over you saying, bow or else this will happen? And how much harder that would have been? You know, I can just think of all sorts of things you could do. You know, why didn't they choose that occasion to tie their shoes? <laughs> you know, I mean, really, is there anything wrong with prostrating yourself when you hear music? Probably not the thing most people do, but I mean, you know. And I mean, what about this? I think this is where I would have done it. You know, what about saying, well, hey, I can prostrate myself to God anytime I want to. Nobody, you know, nobody can make me actually worship the image. I'll be worshiping God while they're worshiping the image. That'd be an easy rationalization. I think, wow. I, we would have come up with all sorts of ways around this. Other comments? Think they, you think they obviously did it for example's sake, or you know, I mean, like they didn't just come up with an excuse to, you know, to read it properly, but so that you know people knew that they were going about it. Yeah, it's not just for example's sake. They are willing to stand up and do what's right in the sight of God. I mean, you know, <laughs> wow. Some of our rationalizations are just—they just don't wash. You know, that—that's not a—that's not a fair approach at all. You know, that's just a cop-out. We know that a lot of times, too. How many times do we rationalize something we know better when it's all said and done? Sixteen to eighteen? This is amazing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God or worship the golden images, image that you have set up. I bet Nebuchadnezzar didn't need any interpreter to understand that answer. Wow! Can you imagine saying that? To Nebuchadnezzar. You know, first of all, our God is able to deliver us. What God is there? Well, the Lord God is able to deliver us. No doubt about that. You know, there's no question about the power of the Lord in their mind. They do not know for sure what God's will is, however what he will choose to do, so they say, even if he doesn't deliver us, we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you set up. You know, it's better to die. It's better to get thrown in a fiery furnace than to bow down before the, that, that image. You know, I mean, that needs to be our attitude. Is God able to deliver us? Absolutely. Do you know for sure that he will choose to in this case? Well, he delivered Peter, but he hadn't delivered James. You know, I mean, we, we don't know. He delivered Paul when he was stoned, but he didn't deliver Stephen. You know, I mean, there may be times that he'll let us go into the fiery furnace. 
But whether he does or whether he doesn't, you don't do the wrong thing. That's a, man, the boldness and courage, then I'm scared to talk to my next door neighbor. You know, it's just, wow. Comments and questions? In this case, they would have only felt fire for a short while if they would have died. That's the true. I mean, rather than forever. That's the alternative, yeah. But I'm, I'm impressed with the fact that they all three said this exact same thing at the exact same time. I'm just kidding, but it's the way it's worded. So. <laughs> yeah. They agreed together and chose a uh, <laughs> spokesman. Wait, I am confused, though. I don't know where I got lost. Where, where, where's Daniel? Oh, don't know. Okay. <laughs> all right, I thought maybe I missed something. There, so. Yeah. I don't know if he wasn't there. You know, maybe his position was too high. Or I don't know if maybe they were afraid to accuse Daniel, to point the finger at him because of his high position. Maybe, you know, they thought it was safer just to accuse the three. There are probably other possibilities. I really don't think Daniel bowed down. Yeah, I'd be really disappointed to learn that. I just have a hard time believing that could be the case. But I don't know where he was. Good question. You know, they took the long view. They didn't just look at the immediate. And that's what's that's what's so hard. It's hard to look beyond the immediate. You know, whether you're tempted to lie or you know, steal or you know what. It's just it's hard to look beyond current circumstance. Absolutely. You mean like what could happen in the future from you disobeying God, or is that what you're saying? Uh, well, more, more uh, the, the the blessings of obedience. You know, if I do what's right in the long run, it will pay off. Whereas, all I can see usually is is what's going to happen negatively if I follow, if I don't follow my own path. Yeah, that's true. Other thoughts. This is a great story. So encouraging. I believe this was uh, my children's favorite Bible story. This is uh, chapter. So. And uh, you know how children are. Since it was their favorite Bible story, I have no idea how many times we told this story. <laughs> and they always liked it. So uh, 19 to 23. <clears throat> the Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So, how did Nebuchadnezzar feel about uh, these three men's answer? As hot as the fire. <laughs> Right, he got pretty hot himself. Yeah. Ordered it heated seven times hotter than it was usually heated. You know, think about this. Does God 
teach us that we will be exempted from affliction? No. God teaches us that he will be with us in the affliction. How many times have his people gone through afflictions? A lot of times. And, and you, I can imagine somebody saying, I thought God was supposed to get us out of it. You know, I thought, we well, he does. One way or the other. But that doesn't mean we won't get to go through the furnace. And uh, so, I mean, they tie them up and they throw them in. And it's so hot that the people who threw them in were killed. That's, that's pretty incredible. And, and I think God wants it this way. This is going to glorify him and show his power even more. You know, how, how hot this fire was and, and uh, all of that. I mean, you would know that even the clothes are going to burn up. You know, this is, wow, everything's going to go up in smoke, you would think. Questions and comments? I think, I think 22 is funny, but I feel bad for the guys too at the same time. Like, yeah. Because they like they, yeah. I mean, they were just trying to kill these guys with the main. Okay. So it's kind of it's just ironic, I guess. I don't well, it is. I mean, it really shows you the, how powerful and hot that fire was. Yeah. I guess I've never realized they were just mighty men of valor either. Like, I don't know, he lost some good men. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, some folks got killed with this furnace, but it wasn't the ones he was trying to kill. And some people he probably didn't want to lose. Good yeah, point. The significance behind the mighty men of valor that these are his choice men and they cannot stand the power of the, the how hot it is, even just being close to it. Exactly. Can you say? I, I can't remember. I feel like someone explained this furnace to me before, but can you describe like what this furnace would have been like or like how? I mean, uh, was it? I mean, well, I guess I mean the, the shape of, or you know what I mean? Like, is this going in through? A door thing, or is this dropping them into something, or do you know, or do we know? I don't know. I can tell you what I've always imagined, but I don't know that it's, there's much logic to it. So, does somebody have a good answer to that? I don't know if we knew through scripture. Or what have you imagined? I wondered if it was just like a well, Nebuchadnezzar could like see into it. Like we'll cut see into the bottom of it. So I wonder if there are steps that go up and you fall in through the top and I don't know, maybe there's a I've been told that before. That's all. that's kind of what I've had in mind. Yeah. Is that they threw them in from the top and that it was, you know, I don't know, open and uh, to be able to see into it. I don't know exactly how. Probably not a window, but maybe like an open window or something. Yeah. I guess I just like in a picture for the reason of, I mean, because I've been told before, I mean, I've been told, I, I forget this has been a long time, I just remember someone telling me that it was most likely something where they actually threw them down into, you know what I mean? And so if you, if that is what it is, we don't really know, then the flames came up, because the guys, I'm assuming these men of valor would have been at the at the top to throw them in, those flames were so hot just going up that, I mean, right. for later on in the story, so I remember, I read the story a long time ago, but we just get the picture of, you know what I mean, them looking down there just... Right. We'll get to that, but yeah. So. I always assumed it was just a furnace for the purpose of furnacing things, you know, like bricks and whatever, which would have an opening, a door at operating level, where you would feed fuel to it and then put in 
bricks or iron or whatever it is you're heating. So I don't know exactly how they would open the door and throw them in. Yeah, I, but I would say my impression is they were carrying them up, and when they opened the door, the flames, you know, destroyed those guys. And mm -hmm. and at the same time, you can see right into the furnace. You can see what's being worked on in there. So. Mm -hmm. I said I didn't have much uh, science behind my concept. Uh, good comments. Other thoughts? Well, you see, too, the, the results of pride, and, you know, of his pride, the king's pride, and the, uh, you know, the loss of lives of those who maybe meant something to him, but in that, in that moment it didn't because he was so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Other thoughts? Well, 24 to the end of the chapter. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He responded and said to his high officials, Was it not three men who we cast bound into the midst of the furnace? They answered and said to the king, Certainly, O king. He answered and said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their heads singed, nor were their trousers damaged nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Amazing! What does Nebuchadnezzar see in the fire? Four people. Four people walking around! How many did they throw in? Three. Three. He had to check. <laughs> I bet fourth would get in there. And how did they get to be walking around the middle of this superheated fire? And something's changed in those men besides the fact the fire didn't bother them. Yeah, they were bound. They're, they're freed. I don't know if we're meant to think that the fire burned up the ropes. That'd be kind of cool if that's what happened. Uh, but I don't know. But they're 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 free walking around with a with a fourth guy in there. So who's the fourth guy? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> How do you know? I don't. I've just been taught that before. Oh, okay. <laughs> who's the fourth guy? Exactly say the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods in twenty five. Because my footnote reads it that way as New American Standard, but New King James straight straight up says is like the son of God. So I don't. I know, it's but I know New American Standard reads different. So that's what my footnote says. I, you know, I don't think we know. I mean, obviously, 
a you know representative of the Lord. The idea is the Lord is with them there. I don't think that necessarily means this is God himself, but but some perhaps angel or whatever that came down and uh, walks around with them. I, I, I don't really think we know more than that. Yeah, it depends on your translation, but yeah. You've got, he's sent his angel in 28, so. I think saying some kind of a, you know, angelic representation of God or whatever is probably the most likely explanation. I've heard quite a few people say that this was Jesus, like, you know, say it, you know, with conviction. I mean, what reason would they have besides Nebuchadnezzar thinking that it was a son of the gods, which... Well, a lot of people see the pre-incarnate Jesus in a lot of Old Testament passages. You know, you know, maybe he was like the angel of the Lord that you know seemed to be a representation of God and things like that. I honestly don't think that we have nearly enough information to be sure about that. I'm, I tend to be a skeptic about this. Somebody want to comment on that? Or? Just that I've heard the same thing, and I thought it was weird. People, like, I heard, you know, somebody teaching a class, and it was really dogmatic, but uh, something in Genesis, and, you know, the angel talking to Abraham or something, and they were like, yeah. not one was Jesus. I was like, okay. I mean, the reason they do that is that, like, that angel talks to Abraham, and it kind of merges between the angel talking and God talking to Abraham. Mm -hmm. So the angel is almost being equated with God, and therefore they're assuming that it's Jesus. Yeah. You know, I don't know about all that. That's interesting. But even if the angel was God, that wouldn't necessarily mean it was Jesus. And... It may be that the angel simply is a representative of God, and therefore God speaks to the angel. So, I'm not convinced, but I'm not, you know, on the warpath against that. But but I, I'm just not seeing enough that really you know, has given me any conviction about that. I bet the language in some versions, like Ryan mentioned, leads some people to that as yes. well. Yes, and son of God. Well, that's true. I mean, and yeah, I, I really don't. I'm. I agree with you in the sense I don't think we have enough proof in Old Testament or I have proof at all to say that the angel of the Lord actually is God. I know. I understand. I've, I've, because I've been taught that too, and I do know that the most people that will say the angel of the Lord is was Jesus is they use New King James. So I mean, but, but I. <laughs> well, I that, know that's true. So yeah. I've noticed that pattern, but I mean, but no, I, I don't think we have enough proof either to really actually say. That it doesn't Jesus. matter when it's all said and done. At least not to me. I believe it is the Lord with him, whether the Lord's there in the form of an angel or form of some pre-incarnate Jesus or whatever. I still think this is the Lord's presence with the, the three in the fire and the Lord's protection and preservation. I mean, you know, the amazing part of this story is nothing happened to them. They come out and they don't even smell like smoke. I mean, what in the world? That is amazing. It was amazing to Nebuchadnezzar. Amazing enough to Nebuchadnezzar that he has a wholesale change of heart. You know, he'd asked that question back in uh, 15, what God is there who can deliver you? Well, now he knows. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered his servants. <laughs> he, he finds out which God can do that. And he orders 
that no one say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or be torn limb from limb and, and so forth and so on. So the Nebuchadnezzar uh, before and after is amazingly different. Uh, he's just so impressed by the Lord's ability to save the lives of these three in the midst of the fiery furnace. He was impressed with what Daniel did too. But the thing you don't see is any sort of like humility or repentance. Well, I think it's easy to be impressed. It's hard to repent. It's hard to change. It's hard to remember that. It's hard to stay humble. It's easy to be emotionally affected at the time, but making real deep fundamental changes in our character, that's rarer. Because we don't even actually... I mean, when he's talking here in, like, you know, 28 and 29 and stuff, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, it's like, he doesn't actually... We don't see anything in, like... Um, I don't know really what follows this, to be honest, but I just know this story. But we don't see of, of him, like, at least here, showing that he's going to start serving the God. He just says no one else can knock their God. You know, maybe it doesn't look like he's going to serve their God. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, there are times when he certainly seems to have some respect for God, but he keeps betraying that in the next chapter. Right. You know, however long that is. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like he added this guy to the other list. Probably so. Yeah. I don't say anything bad about this one either. I think it's sort of funny he gave up on the furnace idea. Next time somebody disobeys, they're going to be torn limb from limb. Yeah. Because right. the furnace thing didn't go so well. Yeah. So I'm not going to try that again. Dismember this time. Yeah. <laughs> A more direct approach. <laughs> oh, it worked on the Men of Valor. Yeah, that's true. It did work on the Men of Valor, so it wasn't totally a lost cause. But you wonder what he's thinking. You know, he goes from being so angry and mad at them, they're their worst enemies, to he turns right around and promotes them in yeah, yeah. the kingdom. It's like, oh, buddy, oh, pow! You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, right, never mind right. that I just threw you in a furnace a few minutes ago. <laughs> well, the, the preservation really shakes him up. I mean, this is amazing. He yeah. knew how hot that furnace was. Yeah, clearly God was with them. You'd think he'd be scared of them from that point on. Yeah. How could I ever get rid of them? Maybe I'll try to ask next one. Sort of an apology. Sorry. Messed up on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't hurt them, so you know, maybe he doesn't have anything to apologize for. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Well, that what God can deliver you out of my hands probably needs to be apologized for at any rate. But. I, I feel like he sort of got there, though. Like, at least yes. in what he said, you know, that they put their trust in him, they violated the king's command, you know, he's commending them for all of that. Yeah, that's true. He is doing that. So, I feel like, I feel like he said the right thing, at least. like to hear the hear the voice inflections in that. Yeah, these <laughs> servants who put their trust in him, you know, violating the king's command. <laughs> and you <laughs> Yeah, who knows? You can't know how to inflect these things. No. All right, other comments and questions? What why did he promote them? Well, I mean, he's honoring them. Obviously, God is with them, and yeah. you want so to get on their good side, and they're God's good side. Okay. That's what I'd say. Yeah, makes sense. Other thoughts on chapter 3? 
chapter 4. Uh, again, I don't know how long passes. I do know that Nebuchadnezzar